everybody, this is Chuck Marone. Welcome back to the Strong Towns Podcast. We, we, and I say we, uh, I will introduce the other part of we here in a second. We are in a, uh, a house in downtown Detroit. Uh, just got done with a talk today in Ann Arbor, Michigan, at the University of Michigan. And uh, a member meetup tonight. And uh, uh, we, we uh, drove down here and are staying in downtown Detroit. And are going to be hanging out here tomorrow for the last day of our member drive. Got a couple little things going on, but then going to be hanging out uh, until flying home late. Uh, hopefully flying home with the, uh, the full 2,000 strong uh, at our backs uh, support. Uh, we are in the last day of our member drive. I'm just going to say right off the top, if you held out to today, you're making me sad. You're killing me. You're killing me, but I'll take it. Uh, there's still an opportunity for you to go to strongtowns.org, get signed up, click on join the movement, become a member. Hey, if you want to pay 25 bucks a year to be a member, that's cool. If you want to pay five bucks a month, that's cool too. If you want to do more than that, that's super cool, but, but uh, that's like just a little bit. That's all we're asking for. Just go there, sign up, become a member. We need 2000 by the uh, end of the day. And uh, we want you. We really do. And when I say we, I mean we like the other you know, 1,800 people that are already members. We want you. But especially we, as in me and the guy sitting across the table from me here in the room, uh, Bo Wright. Bo, I don't think you've ever been on a podcast before, have you? Uh, I was actually on you earlier were, this week. You were on with Rachel. Yeah, but it won't debut until next week. So this is... I think my Strong Towns debut officially. <laughs> Strong Towns podcast debut. Well, welcome to the Strong Towns podcast. Well, it's an honor to be here. Have you ever listened to the Strong Towns podcast? Just before? a few times. <laughs> it's funny because the first time we met, you talked about all these podcast episodes. You, 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 you were talking, and it was obvious to me that you had listened to like every Strong Towns podcast episode ever. And I'm like, what, who, who's done that? So you have. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but but I've listened to quite a few of them. Uh, well, Bo uh, joined our staff uh, last July, and we've kind of been hiding you in secret, right? Uh, since they're keeping you under wraps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the secret weapon or if, if you're embarrassed of me. Uh, uh, I don't think it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now he's fully part of the team, so we're, we're excited to have you, Bo. Um, I want to ask. It, this is the last day of our member drive. I want to. Uh, I want to ask you a few things. But first of all, t- can you just talk a little bit about the work that you do here at Strong Towns? What your role is? Wh- why I have. Why I'm in a house with Bo Wright in uh, in Detroit on a on a Thursday night late in uh, in November. What are you doing? Yeah. So uh, when I first met Chuck, I basically made the pitch to him and said. Okay, your budget for this year is three hundred and forty thousand. Uh, you have five people on staff, or I guess four at the time. That's crazy. With <laughs> as important as this message is, and with the reach and the audience that you guys do have, you should be. I think I told you at that point, Strong Town should be a two million dollar organization. You, you did say that, um, and I said, you know, "Well, you, okay, great. We got our work cut out for us to get there." <laughs> but, but I do think uh, the Strong Town's message is incredibly important. I think it's one of the most important messages right now in America. Um, And so my job has been to basically um, find the venture capital to get us to the next level and to help us reach more people and get this message 
in front of as many people in America as we possibly can. Um, so I've been talking to some major donors in our audience and some major donors who perhaps haven't heard of us before and uh, talking with some of the foundations that have been interested in our work for years, uh, but we really just haven't had the capacity to follow through on. I think the fascinating thing about what you have done since you've been here and having the capacity, being able to follow up on those things is some of the feedback that we've got from people. We, we know that our members are enthusiastic. We know that our audience is enthusiastic, but when we've been able to go and share this message with people who fund this kind of stuff, who, who find this kind of work interesting, uh, we've gotten a, a huge, you know, a very positive reaction kind of across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tremendous to be able to go to foundations and to major donors uh, and to say, we have this amazing following. We just left Ann Arbor. Um, we met with about 25 members there. And on the way home, we were talking about just how engaged our members are, uh, how much they care about uh, our message and our movement. Um, I mean, I was talking strategy with two guys all night about the strategy of our website, the strategy of our content, the strategy of our events. Um, I've done some nonprofit work in the past, and that's just not typical. I mean, you might get people who are interested in the nonprofit, uh, but these people knew like when we ran a piece and you know the purpose behind that piece, and they were just you know all about our strategy and stuff like that. So that's that's incredible. So this really is a movement, and it's exciting to be a part of. Well, you said there were twenty five members there tonight. I think we had ten RSVP, and twenty four showed up because okay. there's one there at the end. Who is not a member, Got but it. he's going to become a member. He's going to become a member during our member drive. Got it. We'll hound is, him if not. <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah, he, he left and he said, I, I'm going to go home and sign up to be a member. That, that's the second one of those member meetups. Well, actually, it's the third because the first one you did was in Atlanta with me. at. That's Peter. right. Um, but that's the second one you've done here in the last month. Uh, we did one in Dallas where I think we were expecting like eight people. And 40 showed. I mean, we had like yeah, around there. We packed the place. It was kind of crazy. It, the same kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm I've been doing these member meetups obviously for a number of years, and I remember when we would go to a place and it would be two people and three people show up, and then at at some point it grew to eight people, ten people. We had someone drive two hours tonight just to hang out with us and be part of a, a member meetup. I mean, the, all this was was a bunch of people in the, in the Ann Arbor, Detroit area getting together to chat strong towns. And, and people were coming from all over the place. I, I just feel like there's a ton of energy here in, in what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's exciting to be a part of. L let, me, let me ask you, I, I, I want to paint the picture because the the – the memory I have of, of our first time that we met in, at, at FECON in June, when I went out there and, and participated with the Market Urbanism guys, uh, and, and men and women, uh, both uh, as part of that, that group, uh, presenting at, at that conference, um, I, got this, I had this picture painted in my mind of you doing this long, horrible commute, uh, but listening to the Strong Downs podcast while you were doing it. And uh, it's funny because I, I used to be the guy who had, you know, a, a, well, a way longer commute than I do now, um, a long kind of frustrating commute. I don't think nearly as long as yours in Atlanta, but it's something that I hear from a lot of people is that they have these, uh, 
they have these commutes that they're frustrated with. They start listening to strong towns and it leads them to at first be like even more frustrated with their life, but then actually make some kind of change. And so I'm, I'm setting you up to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, that transition for you. So pay the picture you're 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 commuting from where to where yeah so living uh, about 45 miles north uh west of atlanta uh and at the time that i discovered strong so an, towns so an inner ring suburb yeah an inner ring suburb of atlanta um <laughs> uh, so at the time i discovered strong towns i was driving uh to dunwoody if anyone knows the atlanta area so i was driving about an hour and a half each way i think i i my discovery of strong towns wasn't necessarily like I'm sitting in traffic. Let's find something that's, you know, uh, anti this. It was more <laughs> like a love of civil society and community. So I found it that way. But there was definitely like this odd uh, thing of listening to the strong towns podcast, really diving into the message and just sitting in traffic. And it definitely created some frustration. So if there's anyone out there that is sitting in traffic, listening to this on a Friday morning or Friday afternoon, know that there's others out there that have been in your shoes and have identified with you. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, just sitting there listening, er, listening to the podcast, sitting in traffic. And it's definitely a frustrating experience. I, uh, I'm not sure where you want me to go with with changes. I mean, the, the big change for me was to get a job that I could work remotely. And that's a luxury that some people don't have. So. Right. Right. But you, I, I, I know you described to me, um, you know, how you basically wanted to have a, a strong towns lifestyle. Basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I have found myself, uh, in that same position where, you know, I was in a place that fit me back in my engineering days and seemed like a great place to be. And then over time, as I, uh, well, as I, I was going to say, became exposed to, but de- developed the Strong Towns uh, ideas and really started to understand, uh, you know, ask these questions and kind of understand uh, some of the ramifications of where I lived and, and just how untenable it was. Uh, it became this cognitive dissonance that really kind of drove me nuts. Um, I was able to make a, a change. Um, you're making a move now too. Um, you made the move to a job where you didn't have to commute as much. Now you're making a move uh, in a different way. Uh, you're leaving Atlanta and I don't think we've, I don't think, I, I don't know if you talked about it in your upcoming podcast about where you're moving to. Is that a spoiler if we talk about it now? I'm not important enough to have spoilers, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, so that, that's the big spoiler. So you're moving to Louisville. That's correct. How do you say it? Uh, so I started off saying Louisville. Louisville. I think. I think right. that's the way I said it. And then my wife just corrected me over and over again till I said Louisville. But then it turns out I get up there and everyone says Louisville or something like that. Okay. So, you know, I thought you know, I was saying it wrong, but I, I think maybe this once my wife was wrong. Uh-huh. I, I, find, I find Louisville. I have some cousins from Louisville, and that's how they, they say it. In some, it, it, I always thought, like, Louisville was like the deep, deep South because they had the most Southern accents of anyone that I ever came across. Um, I've been to Louisville a couple times now with strong towns and I find it to be one of the more exciting cities that I've been to. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of, uh, you know, renewal and investment in some neighborhoods that had been neglected. 
And I find it to be a really, really exciting place. What, why did you pick, like, what was it about this place that, that jumped out at you? Yeah, so my wife and I looked at uh, some of the kind of Midwest Rust Belt cities. I know Louisville is not quite Rust Belt, depending on how people want to define it, but it has a lot of those sort of characteristics. We actually my, looked my at... My cousins that were lived there, the, 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 my dad's second cousin, her husband, worked for... GM, I think, at an auto building place. So it very much had kind of that feel to it, certainly. Yeah, so we looked at uh, Cincinnati, St. Louis, and then Louisville. Um, All great places. Uh, Could see ourselves in each and every one of them. Uh, But there's just something about Louisville. You know, maybe the home we found, the neighborhood we found, but there's just something about it. It's close to my uh, wife's family, and that's one of the reasons we were looking to move. Um, So we're really excited. I think, like you said, I think it's a great place. I'm not sure I can... I don't know enough about it right now to be an advocate for it, but I'm really excited about moving there. I, I, I want to ask you, because today on the podcast, what I wanted to talk about uh, was some of the stuff that we've got coming up. All, all this week, we've kind of set the ground for, uh, he, you know, it's our member drive. We're doing important work. Here's the problem we're trying to solve. Here's our values and how we're going about solving it. Yesterday, we had some success stories on. We had John Perkins on to talk about our work in Shreveport. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about what comes next. Uh, we had a staff retreat last week. You were part of that. We talked a lot about uh, you know, changes we want to make. And I, I think one of the one of the maybe um, I was going to use the word frustrating, but to me it's it, it is kind of who we are. Uh, we're not uh, basically. I get to the end of every year, and it's like, what are we going to do next year? And I'm like, well, everything we're doing now, just like incrementally a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I describe. I, I, give me your reaction to our staff retreat and kind of what you see as some key things for us to, to work on in the coming 12 months. Yeah. Well, the staff retreat is a very unique experience. We uh, go <laughs> to Disney World and uh, stand in lines mm-hmm. and pick a topic and debate it and talk about it and now, discuss it. Now, and, hang on, because that didn't have any context to it at all. It was actually Disneyland. Okay, my bad. Just because I'm a purist, so I, it, I obsess over these things. Uh, we went out to California. We rented a house, and all of us stayed in one big house. You slept on the couch, yep. graciously. I, I slept in a bunk bed. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we had some meetings, and then we take one day, uh, and we have a big, long list of topics, and we go to Disneyland. And as we're waiting in line to get on Space Mountain, for example, we talk about whatever topic is the next one on the list. Yep. So that was your first time doing that. Yeah, yeah, it was a great experience. It's remarkable all that we got done standing in line. Um, yeah, so there, I feel like one of the main things we talked about uh, that I think you did a podcast a few weeks ago on was this idea of nudging and what is Strong Town's role as an organization in nudging and basically in uh, being the arm, the official arm that creates change on the ground and basically what's our role in that. I think we spent the whole sort of first night debating that and talking about ways that we could do that and really talking about whether or not that's our role. Um, so the way you described that and I would describe it a few weeks ago um, is our strategy is to create quality content, share it broadly, and nudge people to take action. We're doing a great job at one and two, 
um, of those, and and people are really pressing us to do more uh, nudging people to take action, and that's definitely stuff we're looking to do um, in 2018, and have some exciting stuff uh, that we'd like to roll out for that. Um, but it's also realizing, I mean, it's so my background is with some nonprofit work, and I've worked for some kind of media organizations in the past, and it's really interesting to me because the media organizations that I've done fundraising for people are perfectly fine with them being media organizations. Like they see the role in them just being a media organization that produces ideas and shares articles. But it's really interesting to me and I get it that people want more from strong towns. Um, there's there's something about us being, uh, the type of organization that is creating and is capable of creating neighborhood change that people want more of it. So they're asking us to do more and that's a great problem to have. Uh, but that is kind of a struggle for us right now. Um, so this is, that's one of the big things we're trying to figure out in, uh, 2018. Um, there's a lot of other smaller projects we can talk about, but I think with the nudging, uh, and I, I did express this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, you know, our budget is three hundred forty thousand this year. We we are we have a huge reach. If you are fascinated to see how big our reach is, go on our website right now and look at the piece that I wrote yesterday. Uh, let me get the title of that one. Um, the the piece that I wrote yesterday is called "This is What a Movement for Change Looks Like." And in that piece, I showed a map of all of our members. Here's where all of our members are at. There's a there's a little dot on the map for every single one of them. And it is astounding, uh, the, the reach, uh, you know, really globally. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we, we have members in, uh, the Ukraine, we have members in Latvia, uh, we have a member in Taiwan, uh, we have member in Mexico city, all over Canada. But if you look at like the North America, it is this broad, broad cross section of people, um, I think people sometimes think that we have a budget that is a $2 million budget that we have, you know, 20, 30 staff. Um, we're a very small organization. We've just learned how to leverage that smallness, uh, for the maximum reach that we can. I think one of the, the problems that we run into is that a lot of times people have, uh, when we get to nudging, uh, what we're trying to do is get people to, if they're inspired by our message, go out and do something about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, a lot of people that come to us say, uh, you know, I, I want you to solve like a certain problem for me. Let me give a couple examples. I'm running for office. I would like a strong towns platform and like talking points and a guide for running for office and a political action committee that would fund uh, political candidates at the local level so that we can, you know, win and take over things and yeah. make a strong towns America. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, uh, those are all like really nice things. Like I like, sure, that would be great to do all those things, but to do that effectively at the scale that we're talking about. I mean, really at the, at the, at the continental scale and even to an extent, a global scale that we're working at, what kind of resources do you have to have to do? I mean, it'd be like millions and it would, it would be like a a completely bizarrely different organization than what we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other side of that is even if we were a three, $4 million organization, I'm still not sure that's the best use of our resources. Exactly. Like the, the problem we're trying to solve just is not going to be solved by doing those things. Right. Um, and, and, and again, we're pointing to 
plenty of organizations and other uh, other groups that are doing that kind of work and helping people do that kind of work. But that's just not our role within this movement of change uh, that we're trying to bring about. So we have people who have said, uh, you come to town, you give a presentation, you give a curbside chat, you get people all excited. Um, we need to have like a squad then, like a like the Green Beret Strong Towns team that comes in after that and just like walks in and like turnkey the city can hire and you'll just fix everything and make it right. And and there's a part of me that like I I I get that like impulse, but there's this other part of me that says like that. Did you like? you should really listen more closely to the message. There's not like a turnkey set of solutions here. This is more like a set of questions that we need to ask each other, that we need to work through, that we need to figure out. And I I think it's going to be different in every city. I think it's going to be nuanced. You've been there when people have asked us for that, right? Uh, Yeah. You know, how do... It's one of those things where like, I feel like I'd, I'd like to... There's a part of me that would like to do that. But again... um what would we give up if we went down that route, right? Yeah, yeah, we'd give up uh, not only – I mean if we if we worked in one of those cities and spent a lot of resources in one of those cities, we'd give up, you know, the national reach that we have. Um, we'd, I mean – and also the issues that we're trying to solve, the problem that you laid out early, earlier this week is incredibly complicated and incredibly multilayered. Um, I feel like for a, you know, Green Beret – type squad to go into the city and try to solve problems, you know, they can solve a few layers of those problems and they can help with those, but that doesn't solve the bigger issue that strong towns is trying to address. Right. I, I, I do feel like we reached some, uh, kind of resolution there. Um, more along the lines of, again, I think our greatest leaps forward have been when we've decided what we're not going to do as opposed to what we are are going to do. And I feel like we eliminated a whole bunch of things that just are not, uh, you know, not things we're going to do and are going to allow us to focus on some things that we're going to do really, really well. And, you know, to do those well, we don't need someone to come in and give us $2 million. Though that'd be great. That's my job to say. <laughs> Uh, okay, that would be great, but we don't need that. What we need is we need you know another 150 people to go to the website, strongtowns.org, sign up to become sustaining members, and give us that base of support that we need to be able to go out and do these like next increment of things. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, I think, like you said, the, the, what we sort of resolved on is what are the next incremental steps that we can take as an organization. So if you think of it in breaking down some stuff like just our website. So we look at our website, what are incremental steps we can take to improve our website to make it easier for people to navigate our content, to come in, you know, interested in biking and some of those issues and to get to our core message. So there's iterations and improvements that we can make to make those things easier. Um, Even things like being able to print off articles like that is a tiny thing, but that's an incremental step that helps some people, not everyone, but some people spread the strong towns message where they are. So there's, there's a lot of those sort of incremental projects that we can put on a list and sort of tick off that we think will be uh, more effective in the end and helping us spread this message to as many people as possible. I I think a couple of my favorite ones that we talked about were just um, focusing on writing, I think more or putting together more concise pieces uh, that would detail actions so 
you know, right now we do success stories, we do case studies every now and then, but, but we don't really take the, we haven't really gone in depth and said, uh, you know, in this kind of situation, here's like three things you could do. Um, and, and, and kind of lay it out there for people in that kind of, uh, concise way. It won't be a, a universal solution for everybody, but it would say, you know, in this kind of thing, think about some of these things that you can do. Uh, I, I also like the idea we, one of the ideas we get a lot, uh, or we request we get a lot is people want to meet other people in strong towns. They want to be able to discuss these things in their community with, with other people in their community who also follow strong towns. We hear from people all the time that they'll say, well, I, I found out that a guy like two blocks over is like a huge strong towns fan. I didn't know it. I'm so frustrated. Like, why can't I find people? And so we've actually talked about, uh, setting up, we've talked about this for a long time, but I think we have a strategy now that is implementable, that is doable to actually set up a platform where people can meet each other and start these local strong towns conversations and put some of these principles into action in their places. So I feel like that to me, those were a couple of things that I'm like super jazzed about coming out of our, our staff retreat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about um, some of the incremental steps we can take. And I'm excited about some of the bigger projects that that will allow us to sort of pursue. I mean, and I say bigger projects, even just other uh, projects that we haven't been able to pursue because of the way the organization is set up. So one that I've mentioned several times is uh, reaching low-income neighborhoods. So right now, the way Strong Towns works, about 50% of our budget comes from, or revenue comes from memberships, and about 50% comes from uh, speaking engagements. Um, and so that doesn't leave much room for us to do, you know, if we, we need the money from speaking engagements. So when Chuck goes and speaks somewhere, we need that money. Um, and so it doesn't allow us really to do stuff in low-income neighborhoods, and that's something we'd love to do. Um, because we think our message is especially applicable there. We think it's empowering and we think it could have a huge impact in a lot of low income neighborhoods. So, you know, one thing I'd love to do is bring on the resources that allows us to bring the strong towns message to two, three or four low income neighborhoods in 2018. I, I, I think it's a really powerful thing. It's been our strategy or our goal for a long time. And when we have been able to do it, it's been where we could find an add-on. Yeah. I think one of the problems we have right now is that uh, Michelle, <laughs> who's awesome, has become so good at working with places when I'm going there to fill up the schedule uh, that it hasn't left any time for us to kind of branch out. And yeah, we're at the point now where that, that resource, uh, you know, my time on the road is a really scarce commodity. How can we uh, kind of, you know, pull a little bit out of that, redirect it towards some of these things that I think have a lot of value, not only for the message that we can share with places, but I think where the engagement in those places will teach us something too about Absolutely. our message and, and how we can, we can do that better. Uh, I think that will be valuable for everybody. Um, yeah. Having the financial support, having the financial wherewithal to be able to uh, carve that time out and not have to worry about basically paying the bills uh, when I'm on the road doing that would be a huge, I think a huge benefit for everybody. Um, I, 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 I want to go ahead. I, if you have one other one you wanted to bring up, you can, no, no, I didn't want to, sure there's, there's plenty of other things <laughs> that we can discuss that I'm sure we'll be sharing with everyone pretty soon. I, I, I I'm excited about next year. Um, when we look at 
the budget that we're putting together for next year. And I'm still in the process of, of kind of doing some of these things. Uh, but we're looking at bringing on incrementally a little bit more staff. We want to get a little bit more capacity in our writing. Uh, right now, uh, uh, most of our content comes from uh, either our staff writing it or a lot of it comes from outside contributors, volunteers, people that are not paid to write for us, people who put things together because they, they have a real passion for it. We want to continue to do that, and I think that's a really important part of our content stream. But there's also been this really burning need that we've had uh, where there are some great stories that we just have not had the capacity to follow up on. Uh, I'll be out on the road. I'll meet somebody who's doing some fascinating work. I'll, I'll run across a project that's really interesting. We'll see a news article from somewhere where there's really a strong town's angle that needs to be brought out that just the regular media is not bringing out or not paying attention to. These are areas where I think our message can have a huge impact, and we just have not had the resources to follow up on. We've not had the resources to do it. Uh, I, I think if things work out the way that we're looking at uh, for this member drive for the rest of the year, uh, we're going to be able to set aside a little bit more resources to bring on some more writing capacity. Um, something that would be less, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking for like opinion kind of journalism or the, some of the writing that I do where it's a little bit analytic uh, and more like hard journalism where it's reporting on a story with a strong town's angle mm -hmm. to it. And I think that that's going to help us uh, reach a you know reach a different kind of audience, expand our audience a little bit, and, and give our current audience some stuff that I think is maybe even a little bit sharper and a little bit harder edged that is going to help them, you know, convey this message to other people. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really exciting. I'll be totally honest. This was one of the first things you mentioned to me. Uh, like this, this being the next step of next Last kind of June? staff. Yeah, that we need to bring on. And I thought, ah, oh, that's uh, I. I can't see the per, you know point in that. That, <laughs> that seems like a waste. But as I've met more people on the ground, and as I've kind of traveled with you, I think that the impact that that could have has dawned on me more. Yeah, the sort of on the ground stories that need to be told, and even from like a strategic standpoint of reaching different audiences, um, and leveraging the impact that Strong Towns is able to have when you're speaking somewhere. So if Chuck goes and speaks somewhere and we can have afterwards two or three articles on a topic that people are interested in that community, we can do a really great job targeting some of that content to people in that community and not only grow our reach within that community, uh, but you know, drive more people to your talk in that town and drive more people to Strong Towns content on the website. So I think it's a win for everybody and being on the ground uh, doing some of that reporting could have a huge impact. And I, you know, some of these member meetups, I just meet people all the time who are saying, you know, we, we need you to cover this issue. And this would allow us not to, you know, do sort of consulting type coverage, but to cover really important issues that can have that we can sort of embed the strong town, strong towns principles within. There's a, there's a lot of times when I feel like, cause I mean, at the end of the day, I, I write a lot of our content I'm sorry to say it. I'm an engineer and a planner. I'm I'm not a journalist. I'm I'm not someone who has that background and that skill set. I, I have come across though many many situations where, gosh, we need someone who knows how to do an interview, who knows how to uh, do some like research, who knows how to like compose a story and put a, a journalistic type story together uh, that can tell a narrative uh, that from our vantage point. Um, 
and, and be relevant to people who like engage in news. Yeah. Yeah, I think we had some of this in Pensacola earlier this year. We did. It wasn't yeah. driven by us, but it was people on the ground writing about it afterwards. And we had so many success stories come out of that. Uh, I think that was one of the – I mean we've been able to tell our impact in other ways. But that was one of the places you've gone where we were able to see just how impactful your time there was because people were writing about it afterwards. Uh, and so to be able to do that in other places would be awesome. Right. Um Last thing that I wanted to bring up that 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 looking out towards next year, um, there's a lot of stuff that I'm leaving on the table here that we're looking at incrementally doing and improving. Uh, but one that gets brought up all the time to me is people want another national gathering. They want another like big summit kind of thing. Uh, where can we get a whole bunch of people together? And I, I think that our change are our, our changing. Our, our thoughts have kind of changed on that or evolved on that over time. Um, you have come on staff as we've kind of been looking at what the next one will be. We've been looking at some locations. We've been looking at some logistics. We're looking at audience size and capacity and what it would take to pull this off. And, and I, I kind of feel like it has become uh, a little bit more complicated than what we start off started out wanting to do. Um, you know, we want to put on a, a really good get together with people where we're sharing a lot of ideas. People are meeting each other. Uh, there's a lot of good work product that comes out of it. And I think what we realize is that to do it on a national scale, um, we almost have to become an organization that does a conference. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of organizations turn into those that becomes all that they do as these one time events. I feel like it's a big, it, I could see it internally becoming like a big time suck for us where not only were we spending a lot of time and resources on it, but all of a sudden uh, our, you know, everything from the way we think about our budget and our organization, the way we talk about things started to shift to where, okay, now we're becoming basically an organization that puts on a conference. And I, I don't think that's our strength. I mean, I don't think that's where the energy of this movement is. Yeah, I totally agree. So the question becomes, how do we uh, fill that need, which I think there is a need to get people together on a larger scale, how do we fill that need uh, and make it relevant? And one of the things we've, we've kind of talked about is you know, going back to our strategic plan, which had the, the idea of issue summits, which I'm going to talk about in a sec, um, but also the, the notion of these kind of regional gatherings, the idea that you know, maybe we come to a place like Detroit, and instead of trying to make it a national gathering where we bring people from all over the country here and have a, a, a bigger thing, uh, you know, 300, 400 people. We try to do something here with 100 people, 125 people. And we bring people in and we can have more of a local flavor. Uh, we can make it a not so high burn kind of event so we can keep the price way down for people to participate and uh, do something that would be maybe like a day and a half uh, here regionally and then repeat that in multiple places ar around the country. I feel like that's something we could pull off I think it's also something that we could maybe get some local partners to want to participate in. Um, I, I feel like this is an event that is actually scaled to our movement into what we're trying to do. Um, I don't know if you have a reaction to that or not. Or, or no, no, I, I don't have a reaction. You said you said most of it, but that that is definitely a strategy I think is well worth our time. Um, you know, it, it brings strong towns to an area and it allows us to discuss some local issues while also you know, embedding strong towns principles in each of those. Um, and so I think it's a great strategy. And then I think there's, you know, foundations and local 
uh, donors and other people who would be interested in sponsoring that in their area. Yeah, I I, I can see us doing uh, you know three four of these in a year and really having it be like a big impact in a region and you know rotate these around and and really make them kind of things that maybe even at some point things that don't need us to do you know um things that would kind of uh work a little bit on their own or or that uh you know wouldn't need me to do <laughs> yeah that's scary to think about right now but that's the hope i think it's awesome yeah I, that that would be the hope the the hope has always been to make me irrelevant to this yeah, whole conversation yeah. <laughs> so let me talk about the issue summits because this has been in our strategic plan since the day one, and then and then we'll move on. Um, I, we had this. I, we wanted to do issue summits because uh, basically Andrew Burleson on our, our board chair, myself, uh, some other people that were very kind of influential and started Ian Rasmussen uh, also on our board. Um, we all met at a, a CNU Next Gen summit. And it sounds kind of more official than it actually is. It was really like 20, 25 of us just crashing at like one place over a weekend. Uh, the first one I ever went to was in New Orleans. Uh, Andre Stwani had a house in New Orleans and let us all crash there. And I literally slept on, I mean, we're sitting here, there's a hardwood floor. Mike Lydon and I uh, slept on a hardwood floor in the kitchen because all the beds and and couches and carpeted floor were taken by other bums, you know, who crashed there. Uh, we showed up Friday night. Uh, we left Saturday at around noon or Sunday at around noon. And we spent that time. Everybody gave their own Pechacucha presentation. Uh, we talked about issues. We split into teams and, and talked about things we're going to do. And really kind of uh, uh, out of that first one in new Orleans, you have the tactical urbanism coming out of that. Uh, you know, Mike, was kind of working on this concept and really kind of developed it further there. Uh, you had a lot of the, um, I think action, uh, that moves strong towns beyond just me writing a blog into something else came out of that new Orleans trip. Uh, there was another one we did in South beach, Miami. That's where I met Andrew Burleson for the first time. And, uh, you know, same kind of format and energy. A lot of great things came out of that. And my thought was, you know, if we could at strong towns uh, do issue summits like this, basically get a couple dozen people together who were really interested in a topic and help us get together and think it through, um, you know, present different ideas about it, uh, present different notions. I, I would like to turn that all into content that we can broadcast and share so that we can, you know, share these ideas with the, the broader movement of people. Um, but make it again like a low burn kind of let's just <laughs> go to a place and crash and like work on this topic kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you'd want to participate in one of those or not. Does that sound? You think your wife would let you go to to hang out? And... That sounds great. I mean, <laughs> I, all I need is a couch, I guess. So well, maybe we'll do I it do at a your little new... better in the hardwood floor. We'll do it at your new place in New Orleans. Okay, in or in, in, in Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, yep. <laughs> plenty of hardwoods. So I, for those people out there who are interested in getting like the national gathering thing together, um, I don't, I, we're not going to do that in 2018, but I, we are dedicated to doing something. And if it's going to be a, a set of regional, some, regional gatherings or some of these issue summits, uh, we're kind of working on the logistics of figuring that out, the budgeting, if we can get a foundation or a donor who wants to bring that to a specific community, if we can make those relationships work and make sense. Uh, so we'll see. Stay tuned. 
if you're interested in, in getting one together in your community, get a hold of us and we'll see if we can make it happen. Last question for you, because this is going to be a 20 minute podcast and we're now at 40 minutes. Um, I'll be short. What was your favorite ride at Disneyland? Come on. I, I think I'll have to go with. You got to uh, go with the first with, one that with John with John Reuter. <laughs> right, space mountain. No, his was was it Star Tours? Oh, Star Tours, yeah. Yep that that was pretty cool. We I, I wrote it twice. I think John wrote it three times, but he would have. He wished he could have wrote it fifty times. Yeah, I think um, I wrote it three times with yeah, John. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was it it was better than I expected. That's what because you go in this you know big box basically. You sit down and you're like you're looking at this screen put yeah. on your 3d glasses and you're like what what is what is this this is lame why did i wait in this long line <laughs> and then you start moving around and it's great yeah i just kept thinking the whole time could i sit through a whole movie like this yeah so no way if, if that ever happens i'm you know uh-huh. we'll see that, that would be pretty crazy if they did a whole movie like that but i think you mean you'd have to have long stretches where you didn't move exactly because just conversation yeah because it's pretty intense um my favorite, I mean, my favorite ride in all of history is Space Mountain. The only thing better than Space Mountain in, uh, in California. Space, uh, by the way, Space Mountain in Florida is totally lame. Like, I, I, I really loathe it because the one in California is so good. The, the one in California has these speakers in the seat, and, like, the whole thing is timed to the music. I'm a music guy, so it's just, like, it's an incredible rush. I love it. In Florida, it's the same ride, but the music is like ambient and it's not timed. I bring headphones and listen to it. That's how big of a geek <laughs> I am. And uh, but in in California, uh, I, I I love the ride. And because there was eight of us getting on, when I got up to the front of the line, I said, "Hey, there's eight. I want to take a photo. Can we be in the first car?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, hang on." And then he put us in the first car. And of course, me being the selfish jerk I am. I took the first row, which is the best row. Nobody else seemed to want it all that bad. Yeah, um, the other guy you got stuck with didn't want to be there. I conned so. John into being in the front row. And I got a good selfie of all of us in, the, in Space Mountain. Uh, but then we went through it, and I thought, this is, the greatest, this is the greatest ride ever. And we get to the end, and the, you know, I know the music by heart. At the end, you're going around in this big circle, and then you come through, and you get this da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And at the end... They take your photo, and I know right where they do it. So I like hold up my hands, like fist pumping. Yeah, like uh, you know, I'm Rocky at the end. Like I've you know just like uh, you know defeated my my rival, and uh, <laughs> they had they snapped the photo. And when we got out, there's John, like beady eyed, <laughs> freaked out. He had like this terrified look on his face. Uh, I high fived him after that, and he kind of like lamely high fived. And uh, I'm like, did you like that, John? He's like, I, I liked it. I just don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Uh, that was the best. All right. So end of the member drive today. We're pushing to 2,000 strong. We really need you to go and sign up. Help us, you know, make all these things happen next year. I- I'll tell you, our goal for membership next year is outrageous. So if you're not going to join now, like we- we're going to be on your case like double next year. <laughs> Like, we need you. Uh, don't hold out on us. Get over there. Sign up. Strongtowns.org. Click on Join the Movement. Uh, sign up. Become a member. It, it means a lot. It really is the basis of everything that we do. We are member-oriented. We are member-driven. The people signing up to become members of Strong Towns is how we measure the effectiveness of, of our message. If we're doing a really good job at what we're doing, 
uh, a sufficient number of you should be motivated to become members to, to help us meet these goals. And so if you want to say like, hey, Chuck, hey, Bo, Strong Towns is important to me. You guys are doing a great job. I never want this to go away. I want it to expand. I want more people to hear it. The way you, the way you communicate that to us is to go and become a member. Have you been listening to the podcast this week? I have. So you know what comes next, right? At the end of the podcast. Oh, the song. The song. Got it. Do you know what that song is? I don't. Okay, people ask me, so I'm going to tell you what I, I know song you've comes explained from. it before, but I, I don't remember. Well, people ask me at the member drive, like, what is that song? It's stuck in my head. Do Where'd people like from? it or they dislike it? I think people generally like it. Okay, you know? it's a change. Um, I came across a song when my kids were little, little kids. Uh, this is a Sesame Street song. You'll catch some Elmo in it. That's like the one familiar, like, people, okay. people catch Elmo. If you type Sesame Street, Will I Am, uh, you're going to get this song. And uh, sing along with us. We're all going to get stronger. Sounds great. If what I am is what's in me, then I'll stay strong. That's who I'll be. And I will always be the best me that I can be. There's only one me, I admit. Have a dream, I'll follow it. It's up to me to try. Oh, I'm going to keep my head up high. Keep on reaching high. Never gonna quit, I'll keep getting stronger.